there are unique challenges to caring for loved ones, whether they are your children, your grandchildren, or even your parents. And if you've never been in a position of caring for a loved one outside of the typical realm of caring for your child, the time, the trials, the questions you have can all seem overwhelming. Now, our hope is that we can help you navigate the waters of becoming a caregiver with the Upper Cumberland Development District. This is the best kept secrets of caregiving. This is the best kept secrets of caregiving on the Henson Oakley Family Dentistry Podcast Center. Whether you're caring for your elderly parents or raising your grandchildren, life can seem overwhelming at times. Join Marsha Lee and the Upper Cumberland Development District as they help you make sense of it all as a caregiver. Resources, advice, and more starts now. I'm Marsha Lee, joined today by Claire Farless of the Upper Cumberland Development District to discuss caregiving, the challenges, and the assistance available. Today's topic is navigating the first steps and stages of being kind of thrown into without any warning, basically overnight, becoming a caregiver. And so that's where we're going to start. Claire, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So let's let's just start right there. I just became a caregiver overnight. Some some something happened to a loved one. Uh, a health issue just popped up out of nowhere, and now I've got to be a caregiver. Where do I start? Okay. Well, the first thing that you need to do is get a plan together. Um, you know, start making a list of what is priority. You know, in the ideal world, if we could all prepare ahead for it, it would be wonderful. Um, you know, planning ahead, getting your team in, 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 in the waiting for when, that, for when that emergency happens. But for this case, um, what we would need to do is make sure that we're communicating with other family members and letting them know. Um, for an example, um, my loved one went in with a stroke, and now they're going to have to go on to rehab. So while they're in the hospital and in rehab, it's a good opportunity to start um, making your plan, meeting with other <coughs> members of the family and letting them know what assistance your loved one's going to need afterwards. So that way, when they get released, you've got a little bit of a game plan to start moving forward. So, so that gives you not, you know, if, if, you get the, <laughs> if you get the ability to begin to make that game plan, mm -hmm. because a, a lot of times, you know, if it's a stroke or some other, you know, uh, a heart attack, or um, open heart surgery, any kind of, of unexpected emergency surgery could ultimately cause you to unexpectedly, with no warning, become a caregiver. Absolutely. And, and lots of times, though, with that, with that being said, even though it's unexpected, like you said, there are hospital stays or uh, rehab stays that patients go through before they actually come back into the home. And so if if that is the case, then you've got kind of time uh, to do some things like researching, um, looking for support groups or, or things of that nature. Um, so so that you kind of can prepare yourself, but really nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing. You basically just have to know that, you know, this is just what happens in life. It's just the it's just the cycle. And you have to be prepared and not to beat yourself up if you make a mistake. Um, none of us have or have all the right answers. But one of the best tools that you can do is start with a social worker. Wherever you're at, that social worker is going to know the resources. They're going to let you know, okay, this is what you're looking at. Um, like maybe you're, the insurance that you have is only going to pay for so many days in a rehab facility. Well, your social worker should be able to tell you that. 
And if they don't, the great thing about the Area Agency on Aging and Disability is we have so many resources there to help you. Um, if my loved one went into the um, went into the hospital today, the next thing that I would be doing is I'd be reaching out to my Area Agency on Aging and Disability and seeing what services are that I can apply for that may be there when they actually come home. And and so so let's talk about the coming home a little bit. Um, they're either going back to their home and I, as the caretaker, am going to stay with them or they're coming into my home and I am going to be their caretaker. So where do I get help for in the home? Which, whoever's home it may be. And, and that answer might be different depending on which home. Correct. It sure can. So let's just say for, for this example, your loved one's coming home with you. Um, you know, again, the area agency, because we do have in-home services that you can apply for. Um, but the thing of it is, is that you've got a wait or you've got like choices, which is long-term care. Mm -hmm. That would sustain you in the home for a long period mm -hmm. of time. There is a 30 to 60 day um, period to get actually onto that program. So that's one thing. Also, talking with a social worker, because usually um, the patient comes home with some type of home health. Um, but home health is not going to be there 24 hours a day by no mm -hmm. means. It's going to come in and offer maybe bathing, maybe up to twice a week, and a nurse to come in and check vitals, maybe help with wound care if there's a wound involved, um, and, and things along those lines. Also, you can, let's say, for example, they need therapy and they don't want to go to the rehab mm -hmm. and they can go home. Well, you, uh, the social worker can help you. Set up physical therapy in the home. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Where it's honestly probably actually better it for is. the patient simply because the physical therapist gets to see the environment that the patient is dealing with to better help prepare them to live in it. Absolutely. And that kind of leads us into the next transition. The next thing you've got to look at is your home environment. Do you have rugs that are slippery? You know, um, if they're dealing with dementia, are there things in there that you would be afraid that might cause a reaction? Um, there are all kinds of things that we can do ahead of time, putting in grab bars. Do we have a ramp? Are they coming home with a wheelchair? Right. Do, do you do a Does furniture have to be moved to accommodate a wheelchair? Absolutely. I mean, that was certainly something we had not anticipated ever uh -huh. at my parents' house. When my dad came home, right. he left with two legs and he came home with one oh, and yeah. a wheelchair. Yeah. And what do you do? You know, yeah. that where do we put this furniture? How do you know? I mean, it, it is... You don't think about it. Mm -mm. And like a hospital bed, I'm sure probably, he probably came home with a hospital Absolutely. bed. Absolutely. To go along with it, where do you do that? For my case with my mother, we ended up having to put the hospital bed in the living room. That's exactly what it's exactly. <laughs> I mean, where, there was nowhere else for it to go. Had yeah. to move a couch out and put the hospital bed in, and that's just where it's, you know, that's yeah. what we did. And, and, you know, the great thing, too, about having the physical therapist come to your home is that they can help you with that arrangement as mm -hmm. well. But you can do a pre-consultation. So, you know, so they can point out things that are not safe. That, that This is not going to be safe. This, you know, your patient is coming home in a wheelchair or your loved one is coming home in a wheelchair and they're going to have to have the shower chair and you can't fit the shower chair and a wheelchair and somebody to help them in this room. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. I mean, these are real, real life issues. Absolutely. Or what about the fact that you can't afford to pay for a shower chair? So, you know, that, I mean, and that, that's sad, but it's true. I mean, 30 or $40, uh, it, it can be a lot, depending on your budget. I can remember back times that that would have been, a, that would have been a huge stretch for me. Mm -hmm. So knowing your community resources. And again, um, the social worker should help you, but also the area agency on aging. We have a lot of resources 
because we do um, reach out to the community partners and we have a list of community partners. So if you are needing a medical equipment, right off the top of my head, I would think of Cookville Regional Medical Foundation. Mm-hmm. They have a foundation that, that keeps medical equipment. So that would be the first place that I, that I would check. And two, um, I think that I'm, I'm going to say something correct and you may be able to correct me if I'm okay. wrong, that if you have had loved ones and maybe they have past and now you are in possession of shower chairs wheelchairs um oxygen tank port you know portable oxygen things to 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 transport oxygen tanks things of that nature medical supplies and equipment that you didn't rent or lease that you bought and purchased and now you have them they're still in good shape does the Cookville Regional Foundation take donations of things like that absolutely and so does the area agency we have a storage unit that we put those in. Um, the one thing that we do have a, an abundance of is walkers. Mm. Uh, that is something we get abundance of. But the things that we need that we get the most requests for are rollators. So that's that special kind of walker. That, that has, has the wheels and the bench, the yes, little seat. And a seat mm-hmm. and, the and a basket. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wheelchairs, whether they're a transport wheelchair versus one that they actually have um, they actually can roll themselves because mm-hmm. there's a difference. Yes, and um, and you probably need all sizes, yes. probably from the small streamlined ones. Mm-hmm. Um, that because my parents' house is older, that's what my dad had to use, and luckily he wasn't a large man, so he was able to fit into this yeah. the small one to fit into and navigate through the doorways. But um, the over, you know, the oversized wheelchairs too, I'm sure, oh, are something that you're in need of. Yeah, because we have people all the time that what happens is. They get into their period of their Medicare, where, the, where their benefit period, where they can't qualify for another one. Mm-hmm. Um, you can only get a wheelchair or a walker, um, or a rollator, I should say, um, every one, one every five years. So you're dog- And there are also uh, stipulations on the shower chairs, too. Yes. I, I, like, I don't even know if you can get replacement ones. I don't think that there, uh, your insurance does not pay for shower chairs unless you're on hospice. Hospice activates a different part of your Medicare. Mm-hmm. And that's why people don't need to be afraid of that term hospice. I think of it more as palliative care because you can get a lot more equipment with that. Yes. I know that when my dad, mm-hmm. absolutely that's true. When my dad came home on hospice, I mean, that by that afternoon we had a, a bed, we had a lift, we had, you know, we had everything. Yeah, the whole gamut you had mm-hmm. it. And, you know, and also one of the things, too, for a caregiver, you just mentioned a lift. If let's say your loved one comes home with a lift, that is a huge piece of equipment can be quite intimidating. It's huge. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have somebody's going to have to teach you how to use it. Now, luckily, any to any of the medical supply Mm -hmm. services that we used um, that are here in the Upper Cumberland, everyone that we used had someone that delivered and taught. So it was not it, it. it wasn't a here you go figure it out right you know so that is we are fortunate that we have some very good uh, medical supply uh, institutions around our area that that don't just drop it off and go and, and that and that's wonderful and and my my point was just to make sure you're asking questions don't be afraid to ask questions um, and don't be afraid to ask for the things that you need yes absolutely because just because one tells you no it doesn't mean that that's necessarily no a hard no. It doesn't mean the door's closed no. completely. No. And I always I always figure the first thing that someone's going to tell me is no. So then it's up to mm-hmm. me to figure out how to make them say yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but now, okay, so so far we've been talking about having folks mm-hmm. come home and be in the home. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about 
that step if you have to make it? How do you know when that is not going to work anymore? So I want to talk about that. I'm Marsha Lee, uh, joined today by Claire Farless of the Upper Cumberland Development District. This is the best kept secrets of caregiving as we're discussing caregiving, the challenges and the assistance available. Uh, this is the Henson Oakley Podcast Center, providing your family's dental care and now featuring Zoom teeth whitening. Make your appointment today and you'll be on your way to a dazzling smile with Henson Oakley Family Dentistry, West Jackson Street in Cookville. So Claire, we're talking about caregiving. We're talking about in-home things that you need, uh, services that you need, equipment that you need, how you can get the equipment, how you can get those things. But uh, as as anybody could feasibly say who has cared for a loved one, sometimes you you might get to a point where you cannot do it anymore. And nobody wants to say that because I don't truly believe that anybody wants to have their loved one have to be anywhere other than home. Uh, I think if we all had a choice, we'd all want to, that's where we'd all want to be. But there comes a point in time where you have to be realistic and you have to be honest and you have to know your limits. Absolutely. And so kind of, let's talk about that a little bit. When when is the right time to talk about potentially transferring a loved one from the home uh, care environment into an assisted living or nursing home? Right. Well, again, if we lived in the ideal world, we would already had this conversation before something like that happened. But again, so we get so busy, we don't think to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when that, that loved one goes into the hospital, you know, ask them what they want. Unless they are not able to speak to you at all, it's okay. It's fine to ask those. What, what, what is your quality of life? What do you want? Um, you know, that's fine to ask them. But you also have to be prepared for that unrealistic expectation that I want to take, be take, taken care of at home. So that's why building your team is so important. To have someone on on your team that can look at you and say, Marsha, I love you, but you cannot do this. You know, you've done your best, but you cannot. Because it's like having a devil's advocate, someone Mm -hmm. looking out for you. Right. You're looking out for your loved one, but you need someone looking out for you. as Absolutely. Um, So, you know, all of these things, all of these difficulties, all of these decisions that have to be made – and and all of the benefits available through different programs, some of these things are only accessible with the right insurance. And so 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 sometimes you can't get certain benefits because your insurance may not provide it. So who can help like, uh, you know, you're suddenly thrust into this situation of becoming a caregiver unexpectedly. Who can help you understand the insurance side the insurance benefits what what your loved one has and what it will cover well we're very fortunate in in this area to have the tennessee health and insurance program and it's called ship tennessee ship and we're very fortunate because they do medicare counseling and benefits counseling so you know that would be the first person that i would reach out to because you want to know the benefits uh, that you have available and it might even come down to, okay, you might be on an Advantage plan and you may have a, an open window to where you can switch to original Medicare and just weighing those options. Does this Advantage plan help me um, with where I'm at or would I benefit from original Medicare? Uh, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say that 
I don't think anybody should ever have anything but original Medicare. And I realize that that is my opinion, but this is our podcast yes, and I can say it. That, that, and that is fine. Uh, you know, don't get an advantage. <laughs> okay. So maybe they're okay for some people. Yes. They we are. didn't have a great experience. But. Exactly. And, you know, and let, so let's talk about who, who, who is a great fit for an advantage plan. Some people aren't. Some people, um, it doesn't benefit them. But if you can't afford your supplement and you, you, if you can't afford it, then Advantage Plan is the way to go because you're, it caps how much out of pocket you're going to be, that you're going to be paying. So example, a heart attack, easily a hundred thousand dollars. Easily. So if you only had original Medicare and you're paying the 20% on your own, you got 20% of a hundred thousand dollars and that's mm-hmm. what, $20,000? Mm-hmm. If I did the math wrong? Remember, I'm a so, I'm social services. Yeah, social, I don't, yeah, we, we don't do. Yeah, we do we math. we had liberal arts degrees here. <laughs> yeah, not, we barely math. math. Yeah. Um, but you know that could be one of the reasons why you would go with that because they have like a, an out of pocket spending limit. So a hundred thousand dollar surgery may only be seventy five hundred that you have to pay out of pocket. So that's where those come in. Um, you know, uh, they have been doing better over the years. I've started in, in this program in two thousand and nine. And over the years, I have seen the Advantage plans get better because they're having to compete. Mm-hmm. They're having to compete to get people. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I think that part of that, I hope, stems from the misguided or the misconception that that I think a lot of people probably joined Advantage plans under the misconception that they weren't going to be paying for it. Exactly. And in actuality, whether you have traditional Medicare or you have an Advantage plan, that same amount of money is coming from your Social Security every month, regardless. Right. It's just one, uh, the traditional Medicare, you need a supplement to go along with it. And the other one, you don't have to have a supplement, but you're paying the same for that insurance. You're Absolutely. paying the exact same amount for traditional Medicare as you are for an Advantage plan. The only difference being is if you have a supplement. Right. And those supplements do go up as we age. And that's why SHIP is such a crucial part of your caregiving journey because they help you with the Medicare side of it, the benefits. And they'll sit there and walk you along with you and, and look at your situation and tell you what, what, what you can do and help you apply for extra help. Um, there are programs out there that can cover your Part B expenses, uh, help you with your drug costs and those kind of things. So that's why SHIP is, a, is an excellent resource for you um, Absolutely. And I know, uh, so for instance, my mom has traditional Medicare. She also has silver script. Okay. Okay. For, a for, a, uh, the Drug pharmaceutical yeah. uh, supplement. Um, and so, you know, it was a pretty low, I mean, the premium, I mean, the premium on it was pretty low, but once she was approved and qualified for choices and the extra help, she no longer has to pay for that. Right. Once the Medicaid approval uh, and all of that happened with choices. And so that's something that that people need to understand, too, um, that that there is immense amounts of help. Mm-hmm. And she rarely even has a copay on her medications now, which was crazy. Yes. You know, I mean, it was thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a month for insulin. And now, you know, with this uh I mean, it was just a godsend, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't, you know, I I don't know if people understand all of the the benefits that right. are available out there. And here's the thing: you don't have to know everything; just know where you can turn. And our, uh, the Area Agency on Aging Disability, 
I, you know, I do work there, but I have to sing their praises because I see how many resources we have available. Just come in and talk to us. Sit down. Um, I'd be happy to meet with anyone, and we'll sit down and we'll we'll get you a game plan. We'll look at what we need to do first and what what do we need to do. Um, but they help you. They'll help walk you through all of that because with the insurance, it can be quite overwhelming. Well, and and speaking of insurance, just mm-hmm. another question. So the way we've been talking about it is as the patient is making these decisions about insurance. Yeah. What if I'm not, what if I'm the caregiver, Mm -hmm. I'm the child um, or even the grandchild of someone who's needing to make these decisions and needing to understand these things? Do I have to have a power of attorney in order to to get the information for the insurance and and, and all of those things? Is that something that I need to have for the person I'm caring for in order to be able to help with this? You can help outside of having a power of attorney, but it's beneficial to you. It gives you more um, more abilities to make more decisions. Um, but uh, just recently, I've been looking over the HIPAA laws. And uh, even if I am not, like, let's say I'm helping you, mm-hmm. Marsha, and you want me in the room with, with uh, your doctor to help you understand the information, mm-hmm. Well, it, you don't have to actually have to have written permission. I don't have to have power of attorney. I just have to have you at that moment say, you want me in there to, to represent you. But power of attorney is huge when they don't have capacity. And the main, the main reason you do power of attorney is to start the conversation about what do you, what, what do you what want? Is, yeah. What, do you, what, is, what is your quality of life? Yeah. You know, if, if you put me in the, if, if I get to where I can't speak, um, you know, what, what is a quality of life to me, you know? Um, is it if I get broccoli, will will I want broccoli? You know that mm-hmm. could be a quality of life that I'm like, no, do not give that right. to me. So just those small things, and, and I know that's small, but the other thing too is just letting you know when is it when is it okay for you to um, to start end measures, end of life measures. Mm-hmm. That is one of the most important things as well, having that conversation. And it's a conversation that that you'd think mm-hmm. that people would have yeah and yet like my parents were married almost 50 years never had the conversation yeah so i had to be the bad guy you know <laughs> right, <laughs> right. and it's hard and you know and that's okay to start the conversation with like this is not going to be an easy conversation yeah. nor is it to upset you but i have to know when it comes time to take care of you am i fulfilling your wishes mm-hmm. and that's one of the main reasons uh, main reasons i would start the, the process of getting a power of attorney another thing too that caregivers don't realize a power of attorney is not recognized by the Social Security office. So in order to talk to your loved one at the Social Security office, either A, you've got to drag them down there with mm-hmm. you, which may not be feasible, mm-hmm. or you've got to have a rep payee form filled out. So again, ideal world, we would we would have that filled out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that is something that you've got to prepare for. So if mom goes into the hospital and the doctor says, you know, these are going to be some issues you're going to, chronic issues that you're going to have to take care of more in the future, then it might, it's that, that's that time mm-hmm. to go ahead and get it in place. Get those forms in place. That way it makes it easier on you when you have an emergency crisis because you're, you're not having to scramble. You're not going to the Social Security office and then turning you away saying, we can't help you mm-hmm. because you don't know where her Social Security cards mm-hmm. are. You know, those kind of things. And, have, and knowing, that's another great thing, is knowing where all of their insurance cards are. And you not know? just the insurance cards, yeah. but... You know, I mean, if you are beginning to see deterioration in an elderly loved one, someone being in charge to sit down and say, okay, 
I, I, I'm not anticipating anything happening, but in the case that it does, here's, here's a checklist of things that I need to know where they are or how to, how to do things, you know, checking accounts, uh, uh, and life insurance. I mean, all of those things. How often do you pay your life insurance? Some people pay it quarterly, monthly, yearly, you know, knowing those schedules because God forbid you do not want to. And it lapse. Yes, a lapse. Because it may be impossible to get it back. It may not ever be reinstated. Mm-hmm. You may have to start all over mm-hmm. again. So, yes, knowing those things. And it's just good. And, and, you know, and just reassuring that your loved one that you're taking care of, we're not doing it because they lack capacity. Um, necessarily, but we're doing it to be a support to them when the time comes. It's kind of like with anything that you do, you've got to do your research. You've got to be prepared, and and unfortunately, we we don't prepare. We're terrible for caregiving. We we just I I don't know if it's because we're in denial that we're not invincible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's yeah. because we just we mm-hmm. ignore it because we don't want to think about it because it's uncomfortable. I think we think our parents are going to live forever. And until you until you lose your parents, it, it doesn't really hit home to you. Um, my caregiving class that I've been teaching at Tech, uh, the students, it has been an eye-opening experience for them. Um, I've had comments like, I never looked at my parent as, I'm going to have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. They're always used to their parent taking care of, of right. them. So it, it, it is. It, it's being prepared. It's difficult waters. Uh, there are a lot of questions, but there is help available for you with the Upper Cumberland Development District. I'm Marsha Lee, joined today with Claire Farless, and we've been discussing the challenges, uh, the assistance available, and all things covering navigating the first steps and stages of being a caregiver. This is the Best Kept Secrets of Caregiving. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Best Kept Secrets of Caregiving with Marsha Lee and the Upper Cumberland Development District. Check for new episodes or listen to past episodes on demand in the Hinson Oakley Family Dentistry Podcast Center at Newstalk941.com.